Good afternoon, and thanks so much for joining us for Managing to Make a Difference today. I'm Kimberly Shirk. I'll be your moderator for today's show, and I am joined by Larry Sternberg, our one of the authors for this um, book and our expert on management techniques, the research behind them, and why effectively implementing them can really make a difference. So today's show is going to focus on chapter 74 and 75 of the book, Managing to Make a Difference. These chapters are titled, If You Feel Trapped in Your Job, Change Something. And the second title is Take Steps to Fit In on a New Job. So there's some interesting topics we're going to be tackling today. I think just the title alone might hit a nerve with some of our listeners today is my guess. And when I read that title of chapter chapter 74 again, if you feel trapped in your job, change something. Larry, what's the first thing that comes to mind for you? Well, the first thing that comes to mind is I, I want to remind our listeners that these chapters are in a section. And the title of the section is Invest in Your Own Growth. So... That's the context within which uh, we wrote these chapters. It's part of your investment in your own growth and development. So uh, the first thing that comes to mind is uh, there's plenty of research that show that the majority of people are disengaged and a noticeable percentage of people actually hate their jobs. And I, uh, I will tell you that um, I had a former career. I was practicing law. And I didn't really hate my job, but I didn't feel fulfilled in that job. And I'm a good lawyer, but I didn't feel fulfilled in the practice of law. So I have some personal experience knowing what it feels like to... Uh, have a job where you're not fully engaged. And and frankly, I've also been in jobs where I didn't look forward to going to work. Um, I, I, I still wouldn't use the word hate, but, but uh, I would, my, my stomach would physically curl up in a knot sometimes uh, when I was walking through the front door of the building where I worked in one of the jobs I held. So I, I know what it feels like to be in a job that you really don't want to be in. And that too many people find themselves in that situation. And so the main message I want to convey to all of you who are listening, who are living in quiet desperation, you're in a job you don't really want to be in, even if you don't absolutely hate it. It is not engaging you. You're not passionate. You don't look forward to showing up to work. You're not spending most of your time doing things you're good at and enjoy. You don't have a good relationship with your boss. Uh, you know what? A lot of people are experiencing all of those things, not just one of them or two of them. In any event, if you fall into any of those categories, we're talking to you here today. You might think you're trapped, but I am here to tell you, you are not trapped. There are decisions you can make. There are things you can do on your own behalf. We are right now... The, the zeitgeist of our times involves watching women claim their power and stand up to their abusers 
in ways that historically they weren't able to do. And in a similar manner, people don't have to feel trapped in a job that they don't like. You can make choices. You can take responsibility for your situation and you can take action to change your situation. That is, uh, so that's part of the zeitgeist of our times. And I think that's, um, there, there are a lot of levels of taking change and making or making a change. I mean, that can take the form of taking another job and leaving to work for another organization. But even within an organization, it can take the realm of um, looking for a new opportunity or finding a new project or coming in the door with a new attitude, some things like that. So, so there's a whole spectrum, I feel like, of change that can be made if you're feeling trapped. Do you agree? Yes. And, and again, the main message here is people have to get out of this victim mentality. And again, that's what I, that's what sparked my remarks about the women who are standing up to their accusers. People have to get out of a victim mentality and the victim mentality includes believing that you don't have the agency, that you don't have the power to change your situation. And I'm here to tell you, you do. You do have agency. You do have the power. You don't have to feel trapped. And you don't have to feel like a victim and act like a victim. That's what I don't, that's what I want people to get out of. Tell me a little bit more about um, when you were a lawyer and then decided that you wanted to make a change. How did you go about that process? What, what came to mind for you? What were the steps in your mind that led you to ultimately the decision that you made, which was to leave the practice of law? Well, from the time I was about five years old, I knew that I was going to be a lawyer, uh, primarily because I had a very big mouth. I liked to talk back to the adults, uh, and I was good at talking back to the adults. And, and uh, uh, lots of people said, you know, you, you should be a lawyer. And it sounded like a good idea to me. So um, I went to law school and I became a lawyer. And as I was practicing law, I, I realized that I was not being fulfilled. I realized that it was just a job. Um, and I decided I wanted more out of life than having a job. And of course, being a lawyer pays good money. Uh, and I grew up in a very small town in the Adirondack Mountains, South Glens Falls, New York. And the thinking among the people with whom I came into contact, the lower middle class uh, people, is that you didn't want fulfillment out of a job. That's not what my father was looking for. That's not what anybody in my neighborhood was looking for. They were looking for a job to support their family. And the best paying job they could find, that's what they wanted. They didn't care whether they liked it. They didn't care whether they were fulfilled. If it was a job and it paid good money, that's all they cared about. And you know, their, their real life, so to speak, started after work and was on the weekends. And well, that's when, when they were doing what they wanted to do. Now that, that, of course, that wasn't everybody, but that was the general point of view. And, and it never occurred to me to establish a, a, a vision for myself that I could have a job that 
I was passionate about that, uh, et cetera. And, and so once I started practicing law in Washington, D.C., I realized I wasn't being fulfilled. And you ask me how I went about changing. Um, and as you know, everything with me is a story. So I went to undergraduate school. I went to law school. I had absolutely no idea how to change careers. I had never met anyone who did that. And no idea. Zip. Zero. So I started doing a little personal research and I found out that there were professionals and there were actually firms. They were called career counseling firms. And they also were called outplacement firms. They, they all did it pretty much the same thing. And I was living in Washington, D.C. And this was right around the time when uh, Gerald Ford was on his way out of office and Jimmy Carter had just been elected. And I was able to find out who the Ford administration hired, what firm they hired uh, to help the president's staff uh, find new jobs. And I thought, well, the president has the resources to pick the very best. So I'm just going to see if I can afford that particular firm. And I went to them and it was very expensive. But I went through formal career counseling. Uh, and not only did they help me identify, and they said, listen, we're not here to help you find a job. We're not a placement firm. But we're here to help you find a career. Very different. And takes longer, takes more work. Uh, but ultimately, you get yourself in a place where you're really doing something that you find fulfilling and engaging and so forth. And that sounded good to me. So uh, uh, paid him a lot of money, uh, and they took me through a process first to help me identify a possible career path, and second to then, how do I get into that career? So they had these two phases, uh, and it took me several months in order to complete this, uh, and that's how I made my transition from practicing law to being in human resources in the luxury hotel business. When we, um, when I think about a change that even within your day to day, um, at a position that you may not be intending to leave, when I think about that, uh, what dawns on me is that it uh, requires a lot of self reflection. And in our day to day, busy jump from one activity to the next, you know, run at record pace, there's not always that time built in for self reflection. When you think about the reflection it requires, to consider a career change, to consider how things are going in your current position and how you could change it. What advice do you have for people? Um, you need to make time for it. While you were talking about going from activity to activity and how little time, your your hands were mimicking texting on the oh. phone. And, and one of the other things that takes people's attention is in between all that stuff, they're not doing self-reflection. They're on their phone looking up something on the internet. What have I missed out on, you know? Uh, what is it, fear of missing out, FOMO? Uh, they're on Facebook, they wanna know what's going. So y you're right, we are in such a, such a world right now where there's almost no downtime and if we called it downtime, you're on your phone doing stuff. Uh, none of that counts as self-reflection 
absolutely none of it. So one has to decide. If you're interested in a career change, one has to make a decision. But if you, for whatever reason, aren't excited about your job, it's time for self-reflection. And maybe that's, as you said earlier, Kim, maybe that's not a career change. Maybe it's simply some changes that could be made within the organization you work for, within your role, et cetera, uh, that are less drastic than making a, making a career change. But you're right. It starts with self-reflection. It starts with owning the fact that you've made certain life decisions and they have brought you exactly right where you are today. And you can make other life decisions if you don't want to stay in that situation where you are today. I'm really intrigued by that concept of uh, life decisions and how you go about them and how you own them. So let's check in with that on our next segment. Uh, One of the things I get really excited about is the experiments that you find in this book in each chapter. And they're, um, you know, practical tools and practical ways you can go about exploring these different topics that are brought up. So we will explore that experiment when we come back in segment two of Managing to Make a Difference. From the boardroom to you, Voice America Business Network. Asked to manage your teams but wonder when or how? Join Talent Plus on-site with us or at your corporate office for a seminar built just for you. Leadership Toolbox focuses on individual engagement, talent and fit, team dynamics and growth, and creating a strength-based culture. This interactive, seminar-style format is just the set of tools you need for world-class team performance starting now. Reserve your spot today at talentplus.com. When managers make a significant impact, their teams are engaged, motivated, and excited. They love what they do. When those people work for you, you get results. Results matter, and people drive results. At Talent Plus, we've assessed millions of people over decades using our rigorous science to predict successful on-the-job performance and cultural fit with an organization's mission, vision, and values. Our online assessments and person-to-person interviews not only identify talents, but uncover a roadmap for success from a person's first day on the job to the day they retire. When people celebrate their talents, use them daily, and think about how to lead with their strengths, they help their companies grow, produce, and innovate. Want to learn more about empowering your people to help you do great things? Visit us today at talentplus.com. The Voice America Live Events Channel is here now to showcase your corporate, individual, or organization's live event. Visit voiceamerica.com forward slash live events to see all of our past live events and find out more. Whether it's a multi-day conference, special speaker, or single-day event, we've got everything to make your event a success. We can do a few hours or a few days. For more information about taking your event to the next level, call Jeff Spinard at 480-294-6417 or email info at voiceamerica.com. Again, that's Jeff Spinard at 480-294-6417 or send us an email to info at voiceamerica.com. 
Voice America is where you are and where you want to be. Join us around the globe as we broadcast live from some of the most interesting events available. Don't forget to view all our live events, including on-demand access to past events that you may have missed by visiting voiceamerica.com forward slash live events. Whether the market's up or down, or if you're looking to improve your portfolio, our experts are ready to talk to you. Call now. Toll free, 866-472-5790. That's 866-472-5790. Voice America Business Network. Welcome back to Managing to Make a Difference with Larry Sternberg and his co-author Kim Turnage also helped write this book. She's not joining us today, but um, want to make sure that we understand that they both co-authored this book. And uh, we would love for you to find your own copy as well. You can visit our website at managetomakeadifference.com. You will find additional materials and exercises that go along with what we're talking about in each podcast, as well as all the information that you need to order books for yourself or for your team or for your neighbor or your friend, anyone, right, Larry? Yes, absolutely. (laughs) Absolutely. And when Kim says you can go out and find the book, she's not meaning a treasure hunt. Oh, you don't have to look very far. We will we will make it available. You can get it on Amazon. You can get it on Barnes & Noble. You can get it on our website. So um, check it out. It's got some real actionable items and will be well worth the time spent to read it. So we've been discussing today some thoughts from Chapter 74 and 75 of the book, Managing to Make a Difference. Um, these chapters are entitled, uh, If You Feel Trapped in Your Job, Change Something. And the second one is take steps to fit in on a new job. But we're going to set that second chapter aside for just a minute. I want to explore a little bit more about Chapter 74. What we were talking about right before we took a break here was this element of life choices and the choices that we make. Um, And so I just wanted to continue to explore that a little bit with you, Larry. Talk a little bit more about taking ownership of your future, your career development, your next step, whatever that may be, whether it's in a, uh, the job that you currently have or whether it's looking ahead to something different. It, it's, it's nothing more than the realization that you have agency, that there are choices available to you. You are not trapped. You don't have to be a victim. And, you know, I get a lot of yabbas when people uh, tell me they're trapped in a job. And uh, if we want to get into a conversation, I say, well, you can make a choice. Yeah, but I can't make as much money in another job. Um, I have met strippers who are major yabbut people. uh, And some of them don't even have a high school education and they look at me and they say, I can't make this kind of money anywhere else. And, uh, okay, that's a, it's a legitimate point, whether you're a stripper or a lawyer or whatever your profession is, you may not be able to make as much money doing something else. Uh, that could be a fact, but still that doesn't mean that you're trapped. And, and I want to go through, uh, this experiment that we have uh, in in this chapter. If you're feeling trapped, it says, answer the following questions. First question, why do I stay in this job? And again, this is the self-reflection. 
This is the time when you're not checking your phone, when you're not watching television, when you're not, you know, whatever. You're, you're just with yourself. You know, you have a cup of coffee, you have a glass of water, you have a glass of Chardonnay. I don't care. Um, hot chocolate, whatever it is. And you're alone and, and you're just, you're thinking, why do I stay in this job? There's got to be an answer to that question. You can't say, I don't know. Why do I stay in this job? And here's the deal. Every answer is legitimate. There's no wrong answers. There's no answers that are better than any other answers. The answers that you get are the answers that are right for you. And you have to be brutally honest with yourself. And so if it's money, then you say money. And, and you know, who knows if it's because this is what my father wanted me to do, then that's what you say. Uh, you know, my parents will be upset with me if I change jobs. Believe me, when I quit practicing law, all of my relatives said, are you nuts? You went to all those years of school. You took out those big student loans. You're making good money. You're going to make better money as your career progresses. And you are going to walk away from that? Are you nuts? Uh, so believe me, I have been there. Um, and, and it's legitimate to worry about what your friends and your family might say, how they might react. Uh, but answer the question. And here's the next couple of questions. What is, what is it costing you to stay in that job? What is it costing you emotionally, spiritually? What is it costing you to stay in that job? What kind of sacrifices are you making? You know, uh, this doesn't come up much anymore, but there was a period of time in the country when uh, women were making choices to stay home and raise a family rather than pursue their careers. And there's many women still making those choices, but we've evolved to a point where I think a lot of women currently making those choices are at peace with it because they know if they wanted to make a different choice, they actually could. Their husband would support that choice, their, you know, et cetera, et cetera. And so they're more comfortable saying, I made this choice. But there were many women who felt trapped. They didn't feel like they had a lot of career options. And it was true. Uh, a couple of generations ago, if you wanted to have a job and you were a woman, and, you know, it might have been you could be a teacher or a nurse. Uh, or maybe work as a retail clerk in a store. That was, you know, there weren't many, or a secretary. There weren't many options for women. But, <coughs> so I could understand that. But what's it costing you? If you feel trapped in a job, what's it costing you? And what's it costing your family? You know, one of the things we haven't touched on is when somebody is going to a job that they don't like, or God forbid, that they actually hate, this is not helping their home life. It's not making them a better spouse. It's not making them a better parent. It's, it's impacting negatively their ability to fulfill those roles to the best of their own potential in those roles because it, it's very draining to go to a job you don't like. It's emotionally draining and you get home and you do not have the energy. Uh, to uh, to be a good parent, to be a good significant other, you might be good, but you might not. You won't be as good as you could be. I think that's a real impact, a true impact that um, some of us negate um, in terms of thinking of challenges or um, or, or that feeling of being trapped. That um, that it does kind of have a ripple effect on the people that you care about, whatever that 
looks like for you. I think that's very true. So the next question is one of the key questions. Once you've answered the previous questions, you can answer this question. Is what I'm getting from this job worth the cost to me? Again, every answer is right. So it may be a job that you don't like, but it may pay a huge amount of money. And this may allow you to do things for yourself and your family that you wouldn't otherwise be able to do. And these things may be very important to you and to other people in your life. Uh, but you must acknowledge that. So if the answer to that last question is yes, one of the things you can do is change your thinking about the job, is acknowledge that you have made these decisions and that despite the cost, you are choosing to stay in that situation. And again, it's a change in thinking. It's a change from I'm trapped, which is a victim mentality, to I'm making the decision to stay here. I understand that there's a cost to me. When I, for the last God knows how many years, there was a, there was a long period of time, years and years, where I traveled 200 to 250 days a year on the road. And I hated to travel. The actual activity of traveling from point A to point B. Never liked it. Still don't like it today. But I loved what I did when I got to where I was going. Um, and, and I never bitched about it. I just realized this is a cost that I am paying to do what I am doing. I'm away from my family. That's a sacrifice. Uh, I'm alone on the road. And believe me, it gets lonely out there. Um, and But my point is, I never felt trapped. And, and possibly it's because I had made this career change from practicing law, which uh, included a monstrous cut in my pay. Um, but I, I realized, you know what? I can make a choice. If I really want to make another choice, if I don't like this life of being on the road and doing these things, I can make a choice to do something different. I might not today know what that is because I didn't know when I said I wanted to leave law. I had no idea what I wanted to do. Uh, but the point is you're not trapped. And even if you decide I'm going to stay here, it's not because you're trapped. It's because you, all things considered, you want to stay in that situation. And that's okay. Uh, but then what you have to do is quit bitching about it. Is you made a choice and start looking at it as a cost for you to get whatever the benefits are you want to get from staying in that role. Stay there and just quit complaining about it. And understand that you've, you've chosen this, so you're not trapped. And, and part of not being trapped is you quit complaining. You quit acting like, yeah, I'm a victim, I'm trapped, I can't, you know, I can't. And own it. Take responsibility for your, your life choice. Make the choice. And again, two people in exactly the same situation could make 
two diametrically opposed choices. One person decides to stay in that situation. The other person decides to leave. You know what? They're both the right decision if you see it as a decision rather than something that is being forced on you. We're really talking about ownership. We're talking about owning your decisions and then uh, making decisions and taking action based on those decisions. And it, it dawns on me that if you decide to take an action that leads to finding a new job or finding a new career, a lot of things could do could happen. A lot of scenarios could happen, but we might be able to boil them down to two possibilities. Things are better than anticipated when you leave or you realize you made a bad decision. So when we come back, let's move on to the second chapter entitled Take Steps to Fit in on a New Job and let's explore the fact that you may have made a decision to move and what that looks like. We'll be right back. America Business Network, the bottom line in business. When managers make a significant impact, their teams are engaged, motivated, and excited. They love what they do. When those people work for you, you get results. Results matter, and people drive results. At Talent Plus, we've assessed millions of people over decades using our rigorous science to predict successful on-the-job performance and cultural fit with an organization's mission, vision, and values. Our online assessments and person-to-person interviews not only identify talents, but uncover a roadmap for success from a person's first day on the job to the day they retire. When people celebrate their talents, use them daily and think about how to lead with their strengths, they help their companies grow, produce, and innovate. Want to learn more about empowering your people to help you do great things? Visit us today at talentplus.com. Asked to manage your teams but wonder when or how? Join Talent Plus on-site with us or at your corporate office for a seminar built just for you. Leadership Toolbox focuses on individual engagement, talent and fit, team dynamics and growth, and creating a strength-based culture. This interactive, seminar-style format is just the set of tools you need for world-class team performance starting now. Reserve your spot today at talentplus.com. Have you had a chance to check out Voice America's online magazine and blog, Press Pass? If you love our hosts and shows, check out articles that give an even deeper perspective. Plus, topics about health and fitness, movie reviews, philosophy, business tips and tactics, spirituality, positive thought, current events, and even more about your favorite host. It's just a click away at VAPressPass.com. That's VAPressPass.com. VA Press Pass by Voice America. All access, all the time. Whether the market's up or down, or if you're looking to improve your portfolio, our experts are ready to talk to you. Call now, toll free, 866-472-5790. That's 866-472-5790. Voice America Business Network.
Welcome back to Managing to Make a Difference. Thanks for taking the time out of your schedules today to join us for this broadcast. Um, I want to know, do you have a question related to this topic we're addressing today or any other management issue? We really want to hear from you. All you have to do is click that email host button that's just above the podcast description, and we will work those topics into any upcoming podcasts, or we'll get back to you directly with an answer. So feel free to ask us about this question or any other management questions that are challenging you in the face of your day-to-day. If I know one thing about Larry, I know that he loves a good challenging question. And so if you throw out your um, your most challenging situation, he will find a way to find you an answer. And if he doesn't know it off the top of his head, he'll definitely do the research to come back with a great one. So keep that in mind as we move on. We've been talking about chapters 74 and 75 in the book, Managing to Make a Difference. The first two segments were really focused on if you feel trapped in your job, change something. And we addressed the fact that that change may or may not mean staying in that position or finding a new position. But in these last two segments, I really want to shift gears and talk about chapter 75, which is take steps to fit in on a new job. So let's assume for just a minute that the experiment in chapter 74 has led you to the decision to move to a new position and take a new job. These steps in the book to fit in at a new job are really, um, they seem very practical, they seem very logical, but I think they're things that we don't always consider. So let's talk through a little bit of what's in Chapter 75. Yeah, and, and the the first piece of advice in, in this chapter is, so you're in a new job. For whatever reason, you're in a new job, and it's a new organization, different culture from where you came from, et cetera, et cetera. And uh, the first piece of advice about how to fit in is think about how you're dressing. Every organization has a culture. Uh, Years ago, uh, I had the occasion to do some consulting for the Microsoft organization. And uh, I, for whatever reason, uh, one of the things I didn't know, uh, I was at their campus in Redmond, uh, is they really don't have a dress code. So I'm showing up in my suit and tie, my, my consultant uniform, and, you know, I'm meeting with people who are dre- dressed in shorts and flip-flops and a T-shirt, and that's what they wore to work, and that's because that's what they felt like. And, and so in any event, though, uh, here at Town Plus, uh, if you're a new employee here, you're going to pretty quickly notice this is uh, generally a pretty dressy place, very businesslike, uh, very conservative. And that's that's the way that's the way it is here. Uh, and if you want to fit in uh, anywhere, look at how people are dressed. So if you're a man, are people wearing ties? Are they wearing actual suits, or are they wearing sport coats and and slacks, or are they just uh, even more business casual than that, or maybe not even business casual? Uh, but there tend to be trends, and there may be different trends in different groups in the business. So there may be one group uh, who tends to dress a certain way and another group who tends to dress a different way. But the point is, it's all about fitting in. It's not about making judgments about whether you like to dress that way or not dress that way. It's We're trying to answer the question, if you want to fit in. <laughs> What's the best way to do that and do it rapidly? And so when you walk in the door of an organization, the very first thing 
that people are going to notice is literally your appearance. And if you look like you fit in, then you've taken a step toward fitting in. And my point of view about dressing at work is I'm I'm sitting here in a suit and tie today. Uh, For me, this is just a uniform. If I could dress any way I wanted uh, today, I wouldn't be in a suit and tie. Uh, I'd be in something way more casual and comfortable than a suit and tie. But it's my uniform for this particular organization at this particular time. And, and I just look at it that way and I don't get myself all worked up about being able to dress a, a particular way. And so, again, if you want to fit in, just look around you, see how people are dressed and you, you don't have to spend a ton of money on clothes. We're not talking about that. We're just talking about within whatever wardrobe you have, pick the items that most appropriately fit in with the way other people in the organization are dressing. That's all. That's all we're talking about here. I love the second topic, demonstrate a consistent, positive attitude. I think that often uh, reflects more on the person that you are than even the clothing that you are wearing. Yeah, and again, this is one of the things, first things people notice. um, And I get that this is a cliche. It's a platitude. Have a positive attitude. I, I get that. And it's also good advice. It's also true that a positive attitude will carry you forward just on its own. And if you have a positive attitude, people want to be around you. You're throwing off positive energy to people. You're improving their day and they'll want to be around you. And again, the chapter is about how to fit in. If you're a negative Nelly, if if you fit in and you're a negative Nelly, my sympathies for everyone in the organization um, because <laughs> that's, that's got to be a terrible organization where everybody's being negative all the time. But you, if you want to fit in, have a positive attitude, be cheerful, be optimistic, smile at people. Uh, just those kinds of things. Ask people how their day is going. Give people encouragement. And you yourself have an unflagging positive attitude. You'll be already making a positive contribution to the culture and, and ambience of that workplace just by bringing in your positive attitude. And I'm sure you know people who do this. You may be one of them. And you may not be, but I'm sure you all know people who walk into an organization, walk into a room, and their positive energy improves what's going on in that room and improves the mood of everybody in the room. And it doesn't mean you have to be loud and you have to be extroverted. You could be introverted and you could be improving the the positive energy in an organization one-on-one with different people at different times in the organization. So introvert, extrovert, that doesn't matter. The positive attitude is going to be evident to people and it's gonna impact them in a positive way. Uh, So that's the next piece of advice. As much as it's a platitude, it's also true. Two words that are probably the most Um, important two words, I would argue, in this book, because it transcends so many of the topics that we've talked about, 
work hard. Yeah, again, another platitude. Um, hard work, you know, makes up for uh, a lot of uh, a lot of deficiencies. Uh, it's and it's so evident to people. The things we're talking about are evident very rapidly. And again, this is about fitting in. And so if you're dressed appropriately, you look like uh, every, not everybody else, but you know, you're dressed, you're kind of like everybody else. Uh, you're having a positive attitude and you're working hard. What's not to like, you know? Um, uh, so although it's a platitude, it's a cliche about working hard. And when I'm talking about working hard, it isn't harder to work. It isn't difficult. It isn't challenging to work a little harder than the other people uh, on your team or in your department or whatever. Uh, you, you don't have to work twice as hard. You only have to work a little bit harder to have people notice that you're a hard worker. And of course, if the organization is full of hard workers, it's going to be a little more challenging to work harder than those folks. But that makes it even more important to work hard to fit in. And by the way, Talent Plus happens to be one of those organizations. We do not hire someone unless we think they have an extremely strong work ethic. And consequently, uh, this organization is full of people who don't even feel good unless they're working hard. And, and so when somebody comes in, uh, we, we, we know ahead of time that they have this, uh, but it may be more difficult to stand out in that respect in this organization. But the point is, it's still important. Uh, so uh, dress appropriately, have a terrific positive attitude, and work hard. And I will tell you, I don't know any organization where you won't fit in if you're doing those three things. We're going to take a quick break before too long, but before we go, I want to remind you that if you are having an upcoming management um, team meeting, a uh, coalescence of all of your managers across the country to come together for a, uh, a workshop or something like that, I hope that you would consider Larry Sternberg to come to your organization and speak about these management techniques. You know, uh, we have gotten a lot of positive feedback on this book since it was released last spring. And some of the best uh, the best responses that we've gotten is just really that it's a practical workbook that you could literally spiral bound it and flip back and forth for pages and flip the corners and highlight because it's a real practical guide to how to make a significant difference in the people you lead as a manager. And so I hope that you um, have heard enough on the podcast to recognize that he's incredibly entertaining. Uh, brings a lot of energy to the room, and his favorite format is really give me your toughest questions. So if you are considering uh, bringing in a speaker this next year to talk about management issues, I certainly hope that you will consider Larry Sternberg. You can go to our website, managetomakeadifference.com, and find all the information you would need to reach out to us to book that. Um, but I want to put that in your ear. We'll take a quick break and be right back with our last segment. business community's first choice in internet talk radio voice america business network 
to manage your teams but wonder when or how? Join Talent Plus on-site with us or at your corporate office for a seminar built just for you. Leadership Toolbox focuses on individual engagement, talent and fit, team dynamics and growth, and creating a strength-based culture. This interactive, seminar-style format is just the set of tools you need for world-class team performance starting now. Reserve your spot today at talentplus.com. When managers make a significant impact, their teams are engaged, motivated, and excited. They love what they do. When those people work for you, you get results. Results matter, and people drive results. At Talent Plus, we've assessed millions of people over decades using our rigorous science to predict successful on-the-job performance and cultural fit with an organization's mission, vision, and values. Our online assessments and person-to-person -person interviews not only identify talents, but uncover a roadmap for success from a person's first day on the job to the day they retire. When people celebrate their talents, use them daily, and think about how to lead with their strengths, they help their companies grow, produce, and innovate. Want to learn more about empowering your people to help you do great things? Visit us today at talentplus.com. Have you friended us on Facebook yet? Why not? Just go to Facebook.com forward slash Voice America or search for the keywords Voice America. Once you are part of our Facebook network, you'll receive daily messages about what's happening with our shows, this week's featured guests, and new happenings at the Voice America Talk Radio Network. And you can add your voice to the always active discussions on our timeline. Just go to Facebook.com forward slash Voice America or search for Voice America. We're always talking business. Talk to an expert. Call now. Toll free. 866-472-5790. That's 866-472-5790. Voice America Business Network. Welcome back, and thanks again for joining us for Managing to Make a Difference. We've been talking about chapters 74 and 75 in the book, Managing to Make a Difference, and we've really been focused on chapter 75, which is entitled, Take Steps to Fit in on a New Job. We walked through the first three, which, again, Larry mentioned, are, are sometimes just known as platitudes, uh, but, but something to really consider, which are address appropriately for the culture that you're entering demonstrate a consistent positive attitude and work hard. I mean, if you hit those three out of the ballpark, there is very little excuse for anyone to say, why did we hire this person in the first place, right? Absolutely. Absolutely. So moving on with the advice about how to fit in on a new job, uh, before I give this piece of advice, I want everyone to remind themselves that a new job is an opportunity for tremendous learning and growth. So you need to come in with some humility. And and this next phrase, I want to thank our colleague Brent Prue for creating this wonderful phrase. And here's the piece of advice. Be brutally open-minded. What a great phrase. So when you come in to a new job, be humble, be open-minded, allow your biases and beliefs to be challenged. That's what we're talking. That's what Brent Prue is talking about when he's talking about being brutally open-minded. Um, allow your beliefs to be challenged. Bite your tongue from saying this is how we did it in our, our my last organization. Bite your tongue. 
there might be a time for you to contribute that, but it ain't right away. Uh, as Stephen Covey Sr. wrote in his book, The Seven Habits of Highly Successful People, first seek to understand and then to be understood. Listen, absorb, be humble, come in to learn about the organization, to learn about your role. Don't come in to change the organization. Come in to join the organization and learn about it. If you first seek to do that and you are doing it sincerely, then when you want to say, you know, there might be a better way or I have this idea. Once you have first listened and really listened with an open mind, people are going to be more receptive to your input as opposed. And again, this is about fitting in. And so if you want to fit in, listen, learn, ask questions, be humble, do all that at the beginning. And again, the, the, these, these things don't stand on their own. So you're dressing appropriately, you have a positive attitude, you're working hard, and you're coming in with some humility that you don't know everything. And that what you want to do is understand the way this organization works, the way this department works, and you're willing to have your own beliefs challenged. And you, because you want to make sure that you're taking full advantage of this growth opportunity. So that's that piece of advice. Do you have have anything you want to add or a question? You know, I you just love, uh, uh, I, I think it's so refreshing to walk into a new opportunity. And uh, I guess I've been at Talent Plus about five years now. And so that's the most recent opportunity. And I think about my first two weeks here and we have an outstanding onboarding program. So it was nice to absorb that, that, um, that information that was built into the programming. But what I loved most was the ability and the flexibility to go to and meet with different people in different or, uh, silos of the organization, maybe not silos, departments of the organization, and really ask, you know, what is it that we can do for you? And maybe part of that came from my journalistic training where you ask the questions before you determine what the answers are. Uh, but um, but I, I think it's super valuable as you walk into a new organization to make the time to really understand the history of the organization, where it currently stands, their current clients, their biggest challenges, all of those questions before you start formulating what's the plan for the next steps. Well, the next piece of advice is cultivate positive relationships. A good deal of the book and a good number of these podcasts address in great uh, thoroughness, uh, developing positive relationships. And again, this is in the context of fitting in on a new job. So developing a positive relationship goes beyond just having a positive attitude. It's getting to know people. It's uh, wanting to hang out with them. It's wanting to make a positive difference in their lives. It's, and, and essentially, it's wanting to get to know them. I mean, fundamentally, 
you want to get to know those folks. And so make sure you're cultivating positive relationships. I've had people say to me, oh, this new company is so cliquish and I don't know who to make friends with. And I just tell people, never mind all that stuff. Don't even give, give that a second thought. Be nice to people. Don't worry about whether you're in a clique or whether you're out of a clique. Uh, do the things that we're talking about here. And uh, it's possible all the cliques will accept you as somebody they like and somebody who fits in to the organization. Uh, so cultivate those positive relationships wherever you find an opportunity. You have a great story about this last one, which is make your boss's priorities your own. Will you share that with us? Well, yeah, um, it, this is a piece of advice given to me by one of my mentors, uh, my former boss, Siggy Brower. He was the regional vice president, a regional vice president for the Ritz-Carlton Hotel Company in its heyday when it was the gold standard for service. And I, I reported to him. And uh, this phrase comes from him, make your boss's priorities your own. And I published this phrase and gave Siggy credit, of course, in a blog that I, I write called Leadership Laboratory. And I also published it on LinkedIn. And I got a remarkable number of responses from other people who had worked for Ziggy and who had also been taught that exact phrase, make your boss's priorities your own. And to a person, we have all embraced that and we have all benefited by that. So when you're in a new job, among the questions you're asking, make sure you understand what your boss's priorities are. And, you know, make sure you're on board with them. And if you're not sure they're the right priorities, ask some questions to your boss. Assume they are. And if you don't think they are, there's something you don't understand. That person has a lot of information and perspective that you can't possibly have. So assume the boss is correct. And if you don't agree with it, assume there's something you don't understand and have more conversation coming from that place is help me understand this and ask some questions. But at the end of the day, make your boss's priorities your own. If you do these things, I'm, I'm just going to review them very quickly. Number one, dress appropriately. Number two, have a great positive attitude. Number three, work hard. Number four, be brutally open minded. Be humble. Uh, number five, cultivate positive relationships with the people you work with. And number six, make your boss's priorities your own. It's hard to give a guarantee, but I would be dumbfounded if you did those things on a new job and you didn't fit in rapidly. And, and when you consider that all of this is about self-reflection, self-development, who you want to be in the world and who you want to leave a legacy for. I think it's really interesting to review these two chapters. Think about what is important to you. Are your priorities lined up with that? And, and how will you move forward? So I think it's been a great discussion today. Any final thoughts? Uh, no, I, I'm going to leave. I'm going to leave us with that summary. And thanks for joining me, Kim. Yeah. All right. Thanks so much for taking some time this afternoon or this evening or whatever time you're listening to this. We appreciate it. And we hope you'll join us next week for Managing to Make a Difference. Thank you for joining us for Managing to Make a Difference. 
with Talent Plus's Larry Sternberg and Dr. Kim Turnage. We hope these real-life management examples will help you manage teams across the globe. Just a reminder, this series airs on Voice America, the business channel, each Thursday at 5 p.m. Eastern, 2 p.m. Pacific. We hope you'll tune in next week for Managing to Make a Difference. Until then, put these practices into place and manage to make a difference.